Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. So I am currently in the middle of, well, I'm currently at the end of the Lockwood & Co. series. I am waiting impatiently for the final book to arrive at the library for me so that I can finish this dang series. Um, it's been very good. And I had um, I had drafted an episode for like the first book, but I've been reading them so quickly and I have like enough scripts like pre-written. I'm going to talk about probably the whole series in one episode rather than splitting it out because I've, I've read them in such a condensed period. Um, and why not? Sometimes it's fun to do individual episodes for individual books, and sometimes it's fun to try to talk about five books at once. Um, but that's for later. For right now, let's get started on the book that we are talking about today, which is Legendborn by Tracy Dion. Here is the summary. After her mother dies in an accident, 16-year-old Bree Matthews wants nothing to do with her family memories or childhood home. A residential program for bright high schoolers at UNC Chapel Hill seems like the perfect ex escape, until Bree witnesses a magical attack her very first night on campus. A flying demon feeding on human energies, a secret society of so-called legend-born students that hunt the creatures down, and a mysterious teenage mage who calls himself a Merlin and who attempts and fails to wipe Bree's memory of everything she saw. The mage's failure unlocks Bree's own unique magic and a buried memory with a hidden connection. The night her mother died, another Merlin was at the hospital. Now that Bree knows there's more to her, her mother's death than what was on the police report, she'll do whatever it takes to find out the truth, even if that means infiltrating the Legendborn as one of their initiates. She recruits Nick, a self-exiled Legendborn with his own grudge against the group, and their reluctant partnership pulls them deeper into the society's secrets and closer to each other. But when the Legendborn reveal themselves as the descendants of King Arthur's knights and explain that a magical war is coming, Bree has to decide how far she'll go for the truth and whether she should use her magic to take the society down or join the fight. Legendborn was published in 2020. It was a finalist and winner for a lot of awards and became a bestseller very quickly. I'm including a link to the author's website if you want to see a comprehensive list. Our author, Tracy Dion, grew up in North Carolina, which may be a clue as to why this book is set there. She earned her bachelor's and master's degrees at UNC. She's worked in live theater, video game production, and education. She also speaks on panels at conventions. Uh, based on what I've read of her work and just like her presence online, I would love to see her speak on a panel sometime. I think she would be an interesting speaker. So I know I have mentioned this before. We are nearly 80 episodes into this podcast. I am bound to repeat myself on occasion and perhaps all the time. I usually don't like contemporary. And for 
a long time, um, I had been uninterested in young adult books, which has um, been changing in recent months. Like, technically, Earthsea is like a kid's book, and Lockwood & Co. are middle grade books, and this is a, a YA book. Um, and it's kind of nice to to be picking up young adult again. I'm getting slightly distracted. So this book is both young adult and contemporary, and I enjoyed it immensely. It helps that it was all magic all the time. Uh, as I have definitely mentioned before, I'm a huge fan of fantasy books, and I get annoyed when magic doesn't show up fast enough or if I think there's not enough of it. The point is, I tend to avoid things I know I will dislike. Why put yourself through something like that? Unless you want to make fun of it with your friends. Um, but I heard about this book from enough people whose opinion on books I trust uh, to give it a try, so I went for it. And I'm glad I did. I liked it. We follow Bree, a young black girl whose mother died a few months ago. And much of this book is about her grief. Um, I read this book um, not long after a friend of mine died. And there were a lot of moments in this book where Bree's experiences mirrored or felt close to my own. Um, because grief is complicated <laughs> and uh, manifests differently for everyone, but there were some very similar um, aspects, I guess grief being a very common human experience that we all share. Um, and Dion has a great note about grief at the end of this book, um, where she talks about how she drew from her own experience of grieving her own mother and like how, how long it took her to, to really face what had happened and to go and go to therapy and talk to somebody and figure out you know, a way to think about and process her own grief. Um, so all of those aspects were done really well in this book, but it is very, you just be aware that that is like a, a big part of this book. I don't have a good segue for this. Um, I just think I, I will keep talking about this in circles if I don't just move on. So Let's talk more about this book and less about how sad we've been. So Bree escapes the oppressive grief at home to an early college program at UNC. Her first night on campus, as the summary says, she witnesses a strange event, and we love a strange event. She sees creatures no one else can and also sees two people hunting those creatures with, like, cool magic weapons and stuff. One of the hunters uses magic to wipe the memories of the witnesses, but for some reason it doesn't work on Bree. And in fact, it shakes loose a previously altered memory. Suddenly, she remembers having her own memories altered the day her mother died. As one might expect from a young person whose mother recently died and who just found evidence that there might have been something else going on, Brie is determined to get answers. 
It's one thing to accept that your mother died in a car accident, which is horrible, yes, but random, and there's no villain in that story, no one to fight against. And it's another thing entirely to face the fact that her death may have been caused by a secret monster hunting society. Maybe her mother knew something the society wanted hidden. These people can use magic to fight demons and wipe memories. Who's to say they don't also kill people to keep secrets? And suddenly, there's someone Brie can blame for her mother's death. Someone she can fight. By the power of being extremely stubborn and unwilling to let things go, and also nearly getting killed by more demons around campus, she finds her way to the Order of the Round Table, which is a cute little secret society on campus, hiding more than private parties and trust fund kids glad-handing with a side of nepotism. In a stunning turn of events, the Order of the Round Table comprises descendants of the Knights of the Round Table, yes, those, and their society is waging a secret war against demons. So that's cool. Love a demon war with a secret society. And I... (laughs) I contemplated finding like one source about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Um, But that is a long, complicated subject, uh, which goes back at least to the 12th century. Um, So just let's just go with there's this king from story and legend, and he is famous and all of his knights are also famous and they had like a round table and it was a whole thing that tells you absolutely nothing i'm so sorry i shouldn't have said anything (laughs) where was i (laughs) so the knights of the round table order of the round table they have the only people brie knows who can alter memories because i i mean how many people do you know who can alter memories It's these people and then that one guy from Fruits Basket. Uh, And they have proven an eager willingness to do so. For an example of their eager willingness, I direct you to Bree's first night on campus, where she witnessed demons and someone tried to erase her memories. So the Order's spellcasters are called Merlins, and they alter memories to protect the secrets of the Order. And the Order just has, like... 15 centuries of secrets to guard. So that's good. So we find out eventually that long ago, the Merlin, not the Merlins of now, who are just generic Merlins, but the capital M Merlin, original OG, rode with King Arthur Merlin, bound the knight's spirits to their bloodlines. When the world is threatened by demons, the knights awaken, giving one of their descendants a special power to help them fight demons. Um, And there's like a a chart, which is great. I love a chart. There's a chart in the back of the book that shows like the the knights that you find out about, like during the book. So there's like, she has 13 knights on this chart. Um, But... The names of only eight of them are revealed, and some of them don't have, like, it's, like, name, sigil, 
like what your special power is and then like what weapon you use. And only some of the information is filled in. So like you have um, Sir Bors, whose sigil is a three-banded circle uh, who gives his descendants uh, like just extra agility and dexterity and uses a longsword. Or Sir Gawain, Gawain, I don't know, uh, whose sigil is a two-headed eagle, whose descendants get like enhanced healer abilities and then supernatural strength at midday and midnight and use dual daggers. So it's cool. There's a little chart. I love a chart. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> More stuff about the knights. So not all of the knights are awake at the same time. Like their bloodlines awaken in a specific order. Um, and so there's a system where each knight wakes one after the other as there are bigger and bigger threats. And usually you only have a few knights around. And of course, it's been a very long time since the line of King Arthur was called uh, and woken up. And I don't know if you know this, but it's kind of a big deal when Arthur wakes up because um, he is their king. He's their boss, you know. Obviously, because this is a story, there are more and more knights being awakened and the threats keep getting closer and closer and there might be a king waking up sometime soon. It's pretty cool. Okay, so with the help of Nick, who is a fellow student and one of the legend born who has his own reasons to distrust the order, Bree infiltrates the society. She gets Nick to sponsor her, basically as an initiate. She's like, hey, I think your secret society may have murdered my mother. And he's like, well, that doesn't seem unlikely, but consider you might die. And she's like, are you going to help me or not? So he helps her. Um, partly Nick is driven also by the loss of his own mother. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens to mothers in this book, like... A lot of moms getting the short end of the stick on this one. So there is a lot that Bree doesn't know about the history of the Order, about sword fighting, things which are going to be important if she's supposed to go around fighting demons. And all the other potential initiates have been training for this their whole lives. So Nick is doing his best. He's giving her a crash course in all of this. But one of the Merlins, uh, whose name is Selwyn, uh, is causing a problem because he thinks she's secretly a demon and he's like following her around and springing magical traps on her and trying to get her to like reveal herself as a demon. Um, which obviously she's not, but she is trying to infiltrate the order to like uncover their secrets. So she is being a little suspicious. She's just not actually a demon. Um, but even with, like, fighting demons and this mage being, like, a huge pain, there's the additional danger of getting caught up in a quest. How many people get a quest? And a quest that is so straightforward in a world that is so confusing. Kill demons, save people. But Brie, I mean, she gets a little distracted 
Who wouldn't? I would get extremely distracted in an order of the Knights of the Round Table. And I'm not even that big into Arthur, Arthurian legend. <sighs> so even though there's all this like cool magic knight history going around, there's other history all around them. There's the long history of the order, of course, but there's history that hits closer to home. Um, for example, the college campus that Bree is living on and going to school on was built by slave labor. And Bree knows her own family history only as far back as emancipation. Anything before that was destroyed. And Legendborn is a book very much rooted in American history, even with like all the King Arthur distant 15 centuries of history. This is very much a book that looks at our own history and especially at the long, awful chapter of slavery that so many people like to pretend never happened or that we're over it now, while there are so many people who can never forget it and who still live with the consequences of it today. So Brie is unraveling this secret history onion, like layers and layers peeling back, revealing more and more secrets and more connections between her own family and the Order. And perhaps the biggest secret comes from Bree's own past, a secret her mother hid from her, a secret kept safe by Bree's family for 200 years, a secret that will change everything, not just for Bree, but also for the entire round table. This was a very good book. Um, it was maybe a little, maybe a little long. It's almost 500 pages. Um, and part of that is like it's, it's complicated King Arthur stuff that's getting explored and explained. And also like all of Bree's stuff that's unrelated to the Arthur stuff. Um, so there's like a lot to, to pack in and tell you about. Um, but the end was a fast-paced kick in the face, so that was cool. Um, I liked the way it dealt with Bree's grief, with the Arthurian legends, with real history, and how much messed up magic stuff there was going all th on all the time. I love that Bree was able to connect with her own family's history on this journey. Um, and I'm looking forward to book two, which is called Bloodmarked. It's already out. I'm just incredibly slow sometimes about reading books. The most recent information I could find about the series says it's planned to be a trilogy. So maybe I'll wait until book three comes out before I pick up book two. I don't know. We'll see. That's for future Kara to figure out. If you want more media like this, I would suggest Dread Nation by Justina Ireland and Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older.
Uh, and join me next time to hear about Setaganda by Lois McMaster Bujold, because I'm also currently reading the Four Kosigan saga still. Um, as always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is to rate and review it or just share it with a friend. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at backlogbooks.com. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I think I rambled less than I thought I would, which is good. <laughs> I hope to talk with you again soon.